Did I just mansplain? No, no, no. You Implicit didn't. bias no. on a podcast about empowering women. I don't, like, no. I don't think either wow. of us felt that no, way. No, it was welcome. Such I, uh, bad form. No. This is A New Angle, and I'm your host, Justin Angle, marketing professor at the University of Montana. This podcast is my chance to speak with cool people doing awesome things in and around the great state of Montana. We are proudly underwritten by First Security Bank and Blackfoot Communications. Okay, folks, welcome back, and thanks for tuning in this week. Today is our second episode of the Sea Change series, and I'm excited to bring to you a conversation with Christine Liddig and Morgan Slemberger. Christine is a legend in the Missoula restaurant scene, having opened The Old Post, The Red Bird, and most recently, Bernice's Bakery. And Morgan is the Associate Director of the Blackstone Launchpad, as well as the leader of our Pursue Your Passions program. We talk all about that fantastic program and the challenges and opportunities facing young women entrepreneurs. It's an important conversation, and it's coming to you right now. Okay, so we're here today with Christine Liddick and Morgan Schlemberger. Ladies, thanks for coming on the podcast. You bet. Yep. And we're super excited today to talk about Pursue Your Passions. Uh, Morgan, you are the director of that program. But um, before we get into it, let's uh, let's have the two of you kind of introduce yourselves. Christine, I, I know you from your restauranting work around town, but let's 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 talk about that a little bit. Well, I'm definitely born and raised in Missoula. Um, I did leave for a period of time, but I graduated high school from Frenchtown High School. Graduated here from the University of Montana with a BA in elementary education. Um, but as Morgan knows, I was a diehard wannabe soap opera actress for hmm. a number of years and pursued that pretty full on, and ended up in a situation that brought me back to Missoula. And that's really when I started my entrepreneurial Wait a career. Second. Through soap, soap operating brought you back to Missoula, or the situation was that wasn't working out, I had to come back to Missoula? You know, the truth is, is that I was having a lot of luck and okay. a real success. Um, but I was attacked when I lived in Los Angeles, oh my gosh. and okay. it was impactful in yeah. my life. And I hate to make it sound lighthearted, but it's been a long time and a lot of processing and work. Um, and I learned that I just needed to be in a smaller environment in order to feel confident, safe, okay. and comfortable again. And so I settled in Missoula and switched my careers and became an entrepreneur for the last 25 wow. years. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Okay. Morgan. Yeah, I mean, she's a hard act to follow. I know. What a soap opera actress. <laughs> Uh, um, so I'm originally from Portland, Oregon, and I came to Montana for college. And my mom and dad always remind me when I stepped onto campus here and came to Missoula, it was like a warm hug. And that's how I still equate uh, this university for my own personal spirit. But and one really quick side, but when we came to campus, I remember we had no idea where we were. And um, I think it's now Forbes. It was Finnegan's when yeah, I came yeah. here. And we were walking across the street, had no idea, you know, what was what. But we were walking across Broadway, which was still busy then. And as we started to walk across, traffic stopped. And we were jaywalking. We were just going <laughs> to gun it and run across. And sure. it was like this huge street with lots of traffic that just stopped dead to welcome us and allow us to jaywalk. Oh my gosh. Down. Yeah. So anyway, that was like, uh, we, we all remember that uh, in Missoula. And to, the, to this day, you know, all Montana stop for everybody to walk. Um, but anyway, so I got two creative degrees from University mm -hmm. of Montana, a film degree and an English degree. And then I um, st stuck around and ended up at the launch pad where I get to help 
people start businesses. And for me, that's really exciting work. Yeah, I mean, you wear so many hats over the launch pad. Your technical title is what, Director of Marketing and Communications? It's Associate Director of the launch pad, yeah. And then, um, and I used to be the Marketing Director. And then, um, I yeah, I get to do a lot of things. And then we're really grateful because we're powered by students. A lot of our student staff do help us do a lot of the work we do. And just for listeners who aren't familiar with the Launchpad, it's a tremendous resource here on campus. It's basically, you know, Morgan, you should actually tell us what it is because you, you live in it every day. Oh, yeah, sure. It's it's a resource for students, staff, faculty, and alumni uh, to consider entrepreneurship as a viable career path. So anyone, even if you were an alumni living in Seattle and you had an idea, you could definitely call us. More often than not, uh, people that we're working with are in Missoula or in the state uh, and in college or teaching something, researching something, and they have an idea. And so that's kind of where we come in at the very early stages. Yeah. And one of the programs that is being run by the Launchpad, and I think we're probably, what, in your year about three for this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is the Pursue Your Passions program. And this sort of came to be from the observation that w- women are underrepresented in, in entrepreneurship uh, both nationally and in the state of Montana, where entrepreneurship is a big part of the economy. Uh, Before we get into Pursue Your Passions, Christine, can you tell us about your experience in this community as an entrepreneur? Well, you know, it's it's really been an interesting journey for me after connecting with Morgan and getting involved with PYP to reflect and realize at age 50 and 25 years of entrepreneurship um, that I feel like I've had a different journey and that right now after having recently just sold Bernice's Bakery that I'm watching the experiences that young women are having including my own daughters and how they're reflecting and engaging in the work world but growing up in Montana I I had great mentors Mm. great um, relationships with men by and large and yes I said previously I also had a a tragic experience that impacted my feelings and responses towards men. But I've always had such great mentors and a great father and a great grandfather that I've really been watching and learning. And I feel blessed that I not only had one business that I ran successfully and sold, Redbird Restaurant, and created, actually, but then to take on Bernice's and turn it into an internationally known bakery right here in Missoula and not feel that conflict that I know a lot of other women have felt. And I feel like that allows me to bring something to the table. Um, Both my experience in when I was pursuing soap opera acting and what happened to me, but then also coming home and finding the strength and walking this entrepreneurial journey as a woman without a lot of intimidation most times. Do you feel like, you know, do you feel like that, those barriers or those, that intimidating structure <laughs> um, has something to do with the particular industries. I mean, being in food service versus being a tech entrepreneur or being a, a, another type of startup, does it matter? Or I don't think it does matter. And I, I, I think as I continue to explore and learn and listen, I believe that we are just discovering more about ourselves as humans on this planet and where we have given opportunity and advantage, whether that be culturally, through religion, through entrepreneurialism, through whatever those relationships are. And we've inherited a lot of those relationships. So I don't know that um, I perceive it as intentional or 
one specific workplace or environment or another. I think it's just inherited behavioral habits that we need to be mindful of and start teaching ourselves to look at the world differently, look at each other differently, and also remember that we need to provide opportunity for everyone. And some of the opportunities out there aren't necessarily always suited for women. Sure. I mean, we definitely walk the world differently than men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so th- thinking of that, how did how did this Pursue Your Passions um, initiative kind of get off the ground? What was the genesis? Yeah, so uh, a UM professor, Jackie Moore, uh, is the catalyst behind why the program exists and, and exists. And she identified that there were zero to I think five percent of female participants mainly zero percent for like 25 years or something crazy in our larger statewide startup competition for students so her primary objective was to start this program and and engage female entrepreneurs or pre-entrepreneurs to start thinking in that mindset and start participating more and since the program has existed we've ranged we have two different startup competitions but between those two it's like a 30 to 50 percent increase in female participation in that specific competition so that's really exciting yeah um the other interesting statistics so they're across nationwide uh women-owned businesses are about 35 percent of all business owners um, are women-owned. So um, with that statistic, uh, our Launchpad database was, uh, and that's grown in the last like five years, I should say. It used to be 31 or 32 percent or something. So the Launchpad uh, three and a half or four years ago was at that national statistic or something uh, in the 30 range, 32 to 35 percent. Then, since the programs existed, now it's up to 48% in our Launchpad database of women registrants. So that's really indicative, I think, that of the work we're doing and whether or not people are enrolling in the class um, is another question. And they are, but it's a smaller number. But I'm just seeing kind of this energy that's rolling out from the program that's spanning beyond just those we're serving. Yeah, beyond the specifics of the class, it's kind of a cultural movement coming out of the launch pad throughout the university. And, and Christine is a board member, probably permeating some of the entrepreneurial community around town. Would you agree Ab- with that? Absolutely. And I think, you know, anytime that you're engaging women to interact with each other, we're just a chatty crew. Yeah. And we're going to talk about what's happening, how we're learning, where we're learning, who's impacting. Um, it's been really effective. Let's talk about that a little bit. I'm putting the two of you on the spot. I mean, Christine, you kind of brought it up saying, you know, men and women are different in a lot of ways. And and in your experience, how have, you know, it's a theme we've talked about on this podcast before that, you know, a lot of times the game, for lack of a better term, is sort of designed by men, whether it's politics, business, whatever, right? And then there's women that decide they can play that particular game better than men play it. And that's totally possible and likely and happens all the time. And then there's women that come along and say, this is a bad game. We're going to play a different game. If you kind of, I mean, you're, what I'm hearing from you kind of sounds like you think there's a different game and we're going to play that one. Well, I mean, I, I really can only speak from my own experience, but I believe there are there's acknowledgement that needs to be made that that women do walk through the world largely differently. It, it, I don't want to over-stereotype it, yeah. um, but there is that piece. For me, though, I can speak strongly and say that I have been and will continue to walk through this world 
differently. Mm -hmm. And there isn't a day that goes by that I don't think that maybe the way that I have run things historically could be impactful for people to learn from. And my approach in how to run business and how to work with other humans, um, how to engage in innovation, um, how to connect to my community while I'm operating my businesses, those pieces to me feel intimate to me, but they also feel intimately connected to me being a woman. Okay. Following up that question, like, is there a different game or do we rise to the top of the current game? It's such a great question and something that we're talking a lot about on our board. Um, and I think what we're looking at is what is the other game? Because mm. if we look historically at how business, politics, you know, these are things that have been founded on the backs of men and right. um, and the backs of women, you know, but they weren't allowed to engage at the level, you know. So um, I think what's really interesting here is this structure, this largely patriarchal structure that we're all trying to fit into. And if we want to be colleagues and we want to engage together and coexist and support each other, there may need to be a new structure and a new way of doing things. And that involves like a nine to five work day that could involve, it could involve so many things. I could go on a huge tangent, but I think what's most important is how are we supporting each other to discover this new structure and what might that look like to support men and women working together so that the best and the brightest ideas rise to the top. Yeah, I have to agree with Morgan. We've talked about that a lot on the board. And while we are an organization trying to support and lift up women, we are also attentive all the time to how and what do we need to teach so that a group of men men and women in a boardroom can rise to their highest level, can engage with each other and open their hearts and minds to what's in front of them, not, oh, this is how we've always operated, but here's how we can engage and work together. Yeah, so let's get to kind of how the rubber hits the road in this classroom experience. What What's going on in the class? Mm. How's it structured? What are the students' experience? And what are the outcomes associated with that experience? Okay, great question. So right now, the structure, of, I, I'm going to talk about it as a larger program, and the class is a component sure. of that program. And there are three elements to it at this moment. Uh, there is the course, which includes a retreat, and I'll talk about that a little bit. There is an online business basics module that's largely self-directed that was created by the Launchpad uh, with specific female business owners and leaders from the community who also um, do little videos in that to kind of better describe how to support female entrepreneurship and specific topical things. Um, Then there is a third component uh, that is the Missoula startup ecosystem. So it introduces women to what's happening in the community and engages them to go to networking events together so it's less scary. And it also introduces them to women business owners in, Mm -hmm. in Missoula. Um, And then there are actually two peripheral components. There's a $500 fellowship that anybody who's gone through the One Credit Pursue Your Passion course can apply for. And then there's also a mentor component. So we solicit mentors from the community, largely female mentors, although many men have expressed interest, and I always give the students an option. Um, So... Uh, there's also that component as well, which is pretty popular and, and successful. 
And how large is the class? Like how big is the cohort? Yeah, the cohort is about 15. It has okay. been 15. And last year's the first year we offered the course for credit. Sure. And I'll say the dip- Which for, for, sorry to interject, yeah. but for people not uh, familiar with the inner workings of university, getting to that point is, is a kind of a colossal achievement. So well done. Well, it's an <laughs> experimental course. So. That's okay. That's a start. But yeah, it's a start. So Just um, change the name every yeah, three years. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So I think right now um, it's a group of 15 and our goal our goal is to get about 20 or 25 students in the program. But so far, every the, the last year being the first year we offered four credit, it was astounding to me to see the difference of level of commitment between the year's previously where there had been no credit attached in this year. So I was gobsmacked when these students did a final presentation. So I can kind of take you through the linear process of that course really quick. Uh, Essentially, we kick off with some um, values-based work. Students are evaluating who are they. They don't have that opportunity as much to do those reflections, you know, while they're in school because they're so focused on um, moving forward, meeting their criteria, um, learning the material that professors are giving them, which some professors are doing amazing things in their classrooms. I don't want to negate any of that. But they don't often get the opportunity to just focus on them. Yeah. So we provide that opportunity at the beginning of the course and then dovetail that with the retreat that's in the mountains um, that brings women like Christine to come talk to them and talk about their experience. It also provides them a forum and it's space to talk amongst themselves about topics that they're most passionate about. And last year we had the retreat right after the Brett Kavanaugh trial, which was not, you know, <laughs> planned, yeah. but it, it was powerful for that. Yeah. Um, Interesting backdrop, yes, for sure. Yeah. And then um, and then the second day, we do a lot of business fundamentals, lean uh, startup methodology right. stuff to kind of get them uh, ready to rock for the rest of the semester. And the rest of the semester really involves them doing a loop of uh, validation. So we're not asking them to ha- come out with a business at the end of the semester because it is a one credit course. Mm-hmm. It's more exploration, testing, um, customer, like talking with potential customers and testing an idea and then bringing that back to the group uh, and refining what they're finding. And then they um, pitch th- what they've learned at the end of the semester. Yeah. So, so Christine, as a board member, how do you kind of pipe in and make contributions to this to this curriculum and the experience in general well currently i think it's it's changed quite a bit the board is recently formed Um, and so my initial engagement um, with the launch pad came through a couple different video opportunities as a missoula entrepreneur and then a slow build of engagement more into the launch pad then meeting morgan then having morgan ask me to attend the retreats and speak to the students and interact and give lots of opportunity for Q&A, hanging out at the retreat, having dinner. Um, And the board really has just recently formed. So at this point in time, we've had a fairly high level of intention where the board is concerned of setting out what we're going to operate like as a board and how we want to work. Mm -hmm. Um, And that has really broken up into two areas right now where it's not, I guess we're giving Morgan all the space that she's had and allowing her to build on her own success with what she's doing with the students. And right now we've been focusing on helping support the online programming, 
what additional steps she might need to take with the university if we're going to continue to grow the program and uh, classes for potential credit, potentially classes for um, community members, but then also separating separating out and splitting the board in half and saying, okay, we also need to look at some fundraising opportunities that need to connect with this organization so that we can continue to offer fellowships for more students or um, engage someone maybe from out of state to come and participate in a retreat or any number of ideas have been thrown on the board. But right now, the board is really learning how to operate as a board and decide how we want to support um, the vision that Morgan has really been putting into play that started three years ago. You know, and Morgan, as you've been kind of a, a few years into this, what has been the inter what what's the interface with students been like as far as you know you had this motivation or a few people had this motivation for getting this pursue your passions initiative off the ground to accomplish a set of things what are the you know when the rubber hits the road with the students particularly the young female students what are you finding for um, attitudes towards entrepreneurship or perceptions of barriers or lack thereof like what's what's kind of what's it look like from the 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 perspective of the 18 year old college student or that's a great question and I'm wishing that I'd reviewed a uh, research report prior to this um, that actually my boss Paul Gladen and a few university staff um, helped conduct with the Kauffman Foundation Mm -hmm. Um, and that report I think largely revealed attitudes of students um, female students saying that the word entrepreneurship does not resonate with them, right. uh, that messaging should be different. I think there are other studies that kind of also associate like money is not as important mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the day with millennials in general, but the, with female audiences. So sometimes like, you know, talking about using the word profit, for example, turns um, women off which I'm like, okay, how do we change that? Um, yeah, that's probably something uh, yeah, to address. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I know. So, I think that study also showed that women were much less likely to engage in the pre-idea stages. So, you know, once an idea is formed, there weren't a lot of differences between men and women's approach to entrepreneurship, but women seem much more hesitant to actually think would, that they had an idea worth acting on. I would have to say, uh, and being an outsider circling around what I've been watching with the students, that that is one of the most positive pieces that I see happening. Okay. Is that there's, it's like a liftoff. I don't really know how else to explain Mm -hmm. it. And it's not always that every student is aware that there's a door in front of them that they're not walking through. But the opportunity provides a liftoff. And it doesn't necessarily mean, as Morgan said, that every student that goes through the course or even engages with the launch pad will become an entrepreneur or a owner operator or even a CEO of of a corporation. But what it does do is also just continue to expand how women look at opportunity. A New Angle is underwritten by First Security Bank and Blackfoot Communications, two cool companies doing awesome things all over Montana. I'm Maureen Dowd of the New York Times, and you're listening to A New Angle. Mm -hmm. And where they may or may not be holding themselves back. And I think in large part, and I don't know if you would agree with this, Morgan, or not, because I'm not usually there at the very final end of the retreat. 
But I think a lot of the students might not even be able to articulate that that opening door themselves. Mm. It's just they got into the class and and there's this intimacy in the course and there's high level engagement from Morgan. She's an incredible instructor and she's open minded and with an open heart and extremely knowledgeable. And there's just this comfortability that happens and you just see people crack open. And I, I don't know, what have students said? I mean. Yeah, the, well, I was going to follow that, kind of tie some of these ideas together because I think the students, along with that research, um, contextualizing some of that, um, they often, at the retreat, they're asked to come up with ideas that they're then going to you know throw against the wall for the rest of the semester. And at first, for like, you know, the first 15 to 20 minutes, everybody is completely tight-lipped. And it takes about 30 minutes or 40 minutes to really gain that level of comfort to start, like, putting something out into the universe. And we talk a lot about that in class or um, at the launch pad in general. Once you say something, it's real. It's no longer in your head anymore. We all have little ideas, you know, that we don't share or that are bouncing around and they're like, hmm, well, I could do that or, you know, something like that. (laughs) Sure. But it's hard because once you say it out loud, it's like, oh, God, there's, you know, no turning back from that. People know. They know I've got something. On the record. Yeah, exactly. So that uh, level of vulnerability I think is extremely hard for female students, even among their peers, you know, Mm. in a very safe environment. But once they had the opportunity and some leaders kind of stepped forward to start saying some of theirs, the rest of the group started saying some of theirs and we used big paper and, you know, put ideas on the wall and other students like started saying their ideas. And then it was building off of the ideas. And by the end of it, we had four sheets full of paper and had to distill like down to like five (laughs) ideas, which ones we were going to do, which is always the hard part. But anyway, so it was really a beautiful experience. And I think it really sums up what Christine was saying is this course really... And, and Paul also reiterates it's not necessarily the quantity of students, it's the quality of students. Are they the right people who are coming through? And so my hope is that these students have that level of comfort that they feel like they can be vulnerable and they can explore this. And whether or not they, you know, take this idea and it, it's they're going to roll with it, it may not be until later after they graduate and get some real world experience or work a terrible nine to five job or whatever. Right, right. That they're like, screw this. I'm going to, you know, do something really amazing and go back to that idea I had. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see like some longitudinal work that, you know, where we can revisit with students post-graduation years down the road to see how it influenced and uh, I know like several of our alumni have already gone on to do amazing things some of them are getting their PhDs some of them one of them is working in DC in um, in entrepreneurship for women minorities and another woman is several have started brick and mortar you know retail operations and then it's like, anyway, people are doing amazing work. So whether or not I can attribute that to the program, I'm not sure. But but they're amazing people who are coming through, which makes me feel really good. So another question I have is both of you are deeply immersed in the entrepreneurial space here, but you're also both mothers. Morgan, your, your children are a little bit younger than yours, Christine. But uh, as, as mothers trying to be entrepreneurs at the same time, what has your experience been with that relationship? 
or that challenge, I guess. <laughs> Morgan's looking at me saying, years or older, you go first. Okay. Right. Um, you know, I, I would be lying if I didn't say there were periods of time where I, I was hard on myself. And I think one of the doors or the, the experiences that has opened for me in engaging with the Pursuers Passion Program and watching these female students is realizing that there were ways that I was judging myself mm-hmm. and expectations that I had for myself that I realized weren't actually mine. And the best example I could give is that after I opened Redbird Restaurant, I had both of my daughters during the time that I had the restaurant. And in the process of them starting to hit to ages two and three or one and two, um, I had this idea in my head that I needed to go be a a stay-at-home mom. And it just happened that someone wanted to buy my restaurant. And I was like, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to go be at home. And when I was at home with my daughters, it was eight months. And you you almost could have put me in a straitjacket. And I love my daughters. And I know... I absolutely know that I'm a really good parent, but I also know that part of the reason I was a good parent is at that moment, I looked at my husband and I said, I need to go back to work. This is how I'm built and it's challenging. It's going to be challenging on us, but I'm going to be just a better role model, my version of a role model, but a better role model for them because I'm going to be smiling, I'm going to be engaged, I'm going to be happy. And through that, I think I would be lying if I would say there weren't challenges, days I disappointed my girls. Um, But I do believe in my heart one of the best things that they're going to grasp is the strength to walk through the world the way they feel like they need to walk through the world. Mm -hmm. They don't have to walk through it my way. They don't have to be entrepreneurs, but they're comfortable enough in their own skin. And part of that was because of where I happened to be engaging in business, and they grew up in that community. So I have two really incredibly comfortable girls who will walk into a room full of strangers at ages 16 and 18 and engage in real conversation because they grew up engaging in conversation all day long and I love that so there's there's deficits and there's benefits and in the midst of it all I've also learned to just be true to myself mm. and to give them that message as yeah, well yeah I really like that how you, you know, the phrasing you use how you walk through the world and, and showing your daughters how you do that in an authentic way I mean that seems to be really at the heart of it Morgan, what's your experience been like in this role? Um, Well, so I owned two of my own businesses, and uh, I had an event planning business that was really successful, and um, I was able actually to, I was bootstrapping that business with a colleague, and I was able to go down 20 to 20 hours a week at my normal day job and work. Uh, The business was paying for me to work 20 hours a week, and I got pregnant with my first child and it's amazing how children force you to be authentic or to prioritize your world. It's no place to hide. Yes. And um, I can remember like, you know, going on a hike seven months pregnant, like I can't do this anymore. It wasn't like that company was not really my passion. And um, so I, we closed that company and not because it wasn't doing well or because there was lots of potential, but it just really wasn't my uh, true passion. And so I think children, I've had my my oldest is five and my youngest is 18 months. I've had, I have a long road ahead of me as Christine's smiling at me, but right now they're so such a blessing because they're the 
the best teachers for us as parents, but also they force you to really prioritize what is most important to Mm -hmm. you and how can you um, better live your life. And so right now, um, it's really interesting to me thinking these things as we're creating this program because I am starting to think about far more radical perspectives that I wouldn't have necessarily brought into the picture before. Um, Like, how are we helping mothers, uh, non-traditional students who want to take this course, who might not have the money for childcare to come to the retreat? Can we give them a stipend? Are there opportunities where we can evolve this to be completely online so people don't have to travel and they can take it asynchronously, which Mm -hmm. the College of Business has done an amazing job developing? Um, So are there opportunities that we can help support and foster women in entrepreneurship? Can we offer a... $30,000 annual fellowship that also includes a housing stipend for non-traditional students or students who are 18 who have a baby, you know? Are there opportunities where we can really change the system to support the leaders of the future? Yeah, I mean, those those ideas don't seem exceptionally radical. Okay, good. They seem certainly within (laughs) the sorts of things you should be working on. And I don't mean that pejoratively. I think they're awesome. Okay, so this episode is part of the Sea Change series, and the two of you are are involved in that initiative. We've been talking about it a little bit in previous episodes. You know, it seems to me that Pursue Your Passion sort of fits squarely in the A category. I mean, we've got safety, we've got empowerment, and we've got acceleration. So the, the launch pads work in general, and Pursue Your Passion seems like an accelerant of a sort. How do you view it as, as you know, the role of Pursue Your Passions in the Sea Change Initiative? Yeah, I think it's definitely in that A piece. And um, we're really lucky enough to have strong female advocates on campus for yeah. uh, the program and what we're doing from Chelsea Bodner to Kelly Webster um, to a host of other. Our board has Katie Cordingly on it and Jean Loftus and Sarah Renfrey mm-hmm. and uh, many others that I'm going to forget. But really amazing uh, women on campus who are doing a lot of work already. So in some ways, I'm I'm always feel so grateful that we're tapping into them when they're fairly tapped out. Um, but anyhow, I think with that that acceleration piece of sea change, where we really see ourselves making an impact in that initiative, is helping empower a little bit women to create their own career or design their own career, so that they can then move forward and make a bigger impact in their community and across the state, the country, and the world. So how are we helping foster that next chapter of their lives beyond graduation and helping them really rise to the top of whatever career they are going to choose in their life or create in their life? Yeah. Christine, anything to add there? You look like you have something to add. Well, I just, I was listening to what Morgan was communicating and also just keying in on the fact that you chose accelerated as where where we fit and I guess um, in knowing that I have a daughter here at the university and and in you know probably making that parental mistake of constantly suggesting she should take the one credit PYP course (laughs) she may never take it Um, but I'm reflecting on what I see with the students and I and I feel like the PYP program and the the vision that the board is continuing to throw out 
it is a triple threat. It's yeah. all three. Yeah. As and you I go say back that, to making, yeah, I go yeah. back to what I said about the difference I see with with um the ability to feel safe yeah. to express an idea. Um and that that may sound so simple, but for for some young ladies and and, and it, it really doesn't even have to be young ladies. We've talked, you know, that there are there are young men in the world who hold back expressing yeah. ideas, but I think it nurtures that safe environment. I think it provides incredible empowerment and it doesn't have to be about entrepreneurialism, really about passion. And, you know, at our baseline, and this is a no, I, I think it's just a beautiful strength. Women are passionate. Mm-hmm. We, we walk through the world passionately. So uh, empowerment and acceleration, I, I, I just see it as a triple threat. I think mm-hmm. we fit in all categories and, and probably will continue to do so more as we grow the board and give Morgan uh, the support that she's needed to continue to grow this program. So we spoke a little bit about outcomes in the classroom, this, you know, this experience with all these ideas all of a sudden bubbling up and students feeling safe to share and, and, and supporting each other. Christine, have you observed any, I mean, it's early, so mm-hmm. maybe it's a little too early, but have you observed any effects in the community, outcomes of this program more broadly in the, in the Missoula economic community? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, and you know there are there are some shining stars. There are ones that um, we constantly po- point to, and one of those is Cassie Strong, mm-hmm. who has her. What's the name of her business? Crepe Market? cuisine. Thank you. She'll Crepe be cuisine. really happy we mentioned oh, yeah. this, right? <laughs> yeah, and she'll be down at Farmers Market this summer, yes. and yeah. and I mean she's. But it we'll isn't invoice ju- her for the sponsor. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It isn't just that she has crepe cuisine. It's. I've known her now for a little over two years and just getting to watch her grow as a person, um, that empowerment piece, that engagement piece that she's confident um, to do and take part in. Um, I see her take risks and I and I just recently watched her maybe fail at a risk that she was putting herself out there for. And, and the ability to learn how to feel comfortable in bouncing back and realizing that's not a failure. Okay, here's here's how I need to turn 15 degrees in order to convey my message right. or my idea or my thoughts. Um, I also had the pleasure of working with Katie Demetz and, and her uh, Mirthful Farms. Her business didn't get off the ground, but Katie now is working in the community with, is it CFAC? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And is highly effective. And probably more so because she went through the process of really engaging an idea start to finish. Sure. Whether she Put herself out there, gave it a shot. Learned an immense amount of information that is actually applicable to now what she's currently doing and how she's operating. So those are just a couple off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, I think I think we do see it and are seeing it. So obviously, we need more stories like that. But Morgan, as, as you look at this, like you know, this year, five years out, however long out, how would you define success? What, what would make you content uh, oh, gosh. at an end Nothing. state? Nothing. <laughs> right. That's why <laughs> I heard my husband's voice in my head right now. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's why Morgan and I do well together. There is there's no contentment. Yeah. We're gonna just keep going. It's yeah. not to say you'd be content when you got there. <laughs> I wish I would be. Like right um, now, what is the goal end state? Yeah. So right now, um, what I hope to do is really make whether uh, a center may not be the right word, but an initiative that 
is you know newsworthy across many front pages of um, I don't know publications or um, newspapers that says like University of Montana is a place for women where women can go and excel and thrive yeah. and then graduate and either be like own their own business upon graduation or um, have a beeline into some really amazing uh, opportunities so for me that includes both um, amazing programming classes for students and community members. I will say like the line between what constitutes a student is a little blurry, you know, in in some ways. So what does that look like? We're working on on that piece. Also, that involves some research, I think, on what – why are Montanans beyond mm-hmm. some of the research that's already been done about why Montanans are so entrepreneurial and um, really pull themselves up by their bootstraps? Why Montana women, uh, and why? How can this be a destination not just for Montana women, but women from across the Pacific Northwest? I think would should come here and experience this program. So really, what I see are opportunities in the classroom, outside of the classroom, micro credentials. Uh, cutting-edge research exchanges and fellowships for maybe not even just UM students but beyond Mm -hmm. like are there ecosystems we can create that are really propelling women forward I like that vision how can uh, people interested in contributing to that vision or getting involved or helping out how can they how can they learn more about your work and, and get involved well, they can absolutely go on our website, umt.edu slash passion, and check that out. My contact information is on there, um, my email address, and they can email us to connect. Um, but there are several ways from mentorship, if there are people listening who believe they could provide an, a stellar mentorship experience to some of our students. Um, there are course at work opportunities teaching opportunities for people who might have time to consider teaching a new subject and then there are opportunities to give us some money because uh, we really would yeah, love plenty, that. plenty of those opportunities yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, if you have a money tree and you want to pick it and give us some, you could do that. Well, and I think it is important as uh, the president of the board to piggyback on what Morgan's saying and not and not be light-footed when talking about money. Sure. Um, hosting the retreat that she's hosting and the expense that goes into that and travel and supporting students getting out to that space um, adds up. Mm-hmm. And we're always looking for a potential sponsor for the entire retreat. We're always looking for more sponsorships for anyone who would like to give a fellowship to a student to follow through on an idea. And I think in the end, um, not unlike many other issues or passion projects sure. that people tag on to. It's important for successful women entrepreneurs, but even men who are like, wow, we do really need to continue to figure out how to work together, and I want to engage, and I want to support the growth of this program, and so I'm going to send in a check today and to put our money where our mouth is because the way that we're going to continue to do this is by engaging, and it does cost money to do that. So. You know, send a check. Yeah. There and, we go. And Christine's comment just reminded me of another part of the vision that that I missed um, is engaging some of the um, executives and venture capitalists uh, from across the country to start providing some training there as well. And although, you know, um, unconscious bias training, you know, said to not be super, well, 
it, it can be ineffective, but um, having discussions more often about unconscious bias. And I know this this is a field that you're really familiar with, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but speak, that's, feel, feel like, free right, to speak. No, you, you can correct me. Tell me what but, I'm right, That's what I've read recently. Well, is, yeah, the reliability of these. So a lot of the a lot of the research, the external validity of it. Um, has been a little overgeneralized, and that's kind of typical of research. Right. Like we we have you know research uncovers this phenomena, unconscious bias, implicit bias, and then we think it applies in all instances universally across all people, which it does not. Yet simply being aware that it exists is a powerful thing, right? I talk about that a lot as you know a, a white male who also happens to be tall and straight. Mm. Like there's a lot of tailwinds in my life associated with that, and just being aware that those tailwinds exist is, is I think, the key issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think being able to leverage some of that knowledge and help other people restructure their organization, uh, make sure that they're giving women more than two percent of venture capital funds, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Is their board up to date with the right amount of female? representation, minority representation. So I think that's another piece of the pie that we're looking to help the community with um, as the program grows. Um, I, I can't help but interject and say, did I just mansplain? No, no. no you <laughs> Implicit didn't. bias no. on a podcast about empowering women. I don't, like, no. I don't think either. It was, how, felt that no, way. It was welcome. This is such I, yeah. bad form. No. No, no, no. I asked you. I said, "This is oh, really man. your area." Come of on, man! And then I gave no. a little diatribe. I'm st- I, I started <laughs> well, to feel. I've started no, like good. I've been starting to feel just a little bit more woke, and you know, clearly <laughs> back asleep. No, it was, it was welcome. It was okay. a welcome explanation. So. Well, and that's okay. a good example of just how if if you can get people to do what we're doing and joke about it and and relate to each other right. and be honest about how you're feeling, whether you were, you know, being a little funny or not but no, and, I felt and, bad. and whether or not you know we felt bad sure. and how did that feel and those are the conversations that you want to be happening because in the end it isn't about only women succeeding or only men succeeding it's about yeah. us working together in a way that just makes all of us better mm. we all got to find our way to walk in the world Mm -hmm. Ah, Thank you. (laughs) Well, Christine, Morgan, thanks so much for coming on and telling us about this great program and more than just coming on, doing the work of making it happen. We really appreciate it. Such a key contribution to not only this university, but the broader community and maybe even a wider net uh, the next time we talk about it. Yeah. Thank you. That'd be great. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Morgan and Christine. Coming up next week, we have legendary ultra runner Scott Jurek, along with his wife, Jenny. We discuss North, their collaborative narrative account of Scott's record-setting run on the Appalachian Trail. Check it out next week. Thanks for listening to New Angle. We really appreciate it. And we're coming to you from Studio 49, part of the Michelle and Lauren Hansen Media Lab at the University of Montana College of Business. Remember that this podcast was supported by CED, Consolidated Electrical Distributors. These guys pretty much sell anything electrical you'd ever need, but they also hire a ton of our students. If you want to learn more about jobs at CED, visit cedcareers.com. Before we go, I want to thank some important peeps. Executive producer, Stefan Borsum. Producer, Aidan Morton. And interns, Aspen Runkle, Max Gibson, and Ellie Hanasek. Huge thanks to VTO, Jeff Ament, and John Wicks for the tunes. And finally, props to Jeff Meese, our master of all things sound. Finally, if you have any questions, suggestions, comments, insults, whatever, 
please email me at a new angle at umontana.edu. Help us spread the word and be sure to use the hashtag a new angle when you do. Thanks a lot. See you next time.